All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you so very much for joining us here on the set today. We greatly appreciate your viewership and your followership. Remember, wherever you're watching us from, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever it may be, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, let us know how we're doing here on the set of Studio B. Thank you for all of those who continually tune in and support us uh, here on this podcast. We pray that 2023 has been a good couple of weeks for you thus far, as we are already in week uh, number three, uh, week number two going into this new year. But today, uh, here we are on January the 16th, the day that we are uh, commemorating the day of one of the one of our national uh, heroes, and that being Dr. Martin Luther King, to which I have spoken at length uh, on this particular podcast on many, many, many different occasions. I regularly draw from that well of wisdom um, of Dr. Martin Luther King still in my everyday practice as a person, as a husband, as a father, and trying to be a, a, a great citizen uh, here in this world. So I greatly appreciate Dr. Martin Luther King. I don't know just about him from the books or just about him from the holidays that we celebrate, but I have deeply uh, studied his impact uh, on society and not just on African-American society, but on society, people as a whole. Uh, so happy, happy, happy Dr. Martin Luther King Day to all of you guys. And uh, those who are out right now enjoying the Martin Luther King Day Parade, you got the day off, you're chilling, maybe got some steaks and some meat on the barbecue pit, man. Enjoy this day uh, as we commemorate uh, a national um, icon and somebody that God used tremendously in order to bring forth the privileges and the rights that we are now currently enjoying. I segue that because unfortunately I have to use that as a background to even start where we are uh, right now. It's about three weeks ago now that many of us were watching Monday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And a little bit into the uh, first quarter, many of us were horrified um, shocked even when DeMar Hamlin, a safety for the uh, Buffalo Bills, number three, uh, was making a routine tackle and got up from that tackle, uh, that tackle and instantly collapsed. Um, and we saw all of the melee that was happening on the field and all of the things that were going on. Um, players that were bended on bended knee, both Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills were gathered together in a time of prayer. Um, we've later come to find out that DeMar Hamlin um, suffered a cardiac arrest. Um, his heart stopped beating, um, to which they had to uh, perform emergency CPR on the field. And then later, as he was in the ambulance, he coded again, um, to which they had to revive him again through CPR and uh, heart defibrillators. Um, to... Uh, all of us who were watching that collectively in the United States and even around the world was a galvanizing moment to which we all came together. And it wasn't about black or white. It wasn't about rich or poor. It wasn't about educated, non-educated. You had people from all different walks of life that were generally concerned about the well-being of this young brother. And it was a beautiful moment to at one point in time in all of this political divisiveness and racial foolishness that we have in our world that we actually got to see people on one common accord. Everybody was aimed in the same direction and everybody was thinking the same thing. Uh, it was a wonderful thing to behold. And for the first time in a long time, 
uh, even in the NFL where the players are not allowed to have Bible verses uh, on their helmets or on their shoes or anything of any religious context. Uh, the NFL, Roger Goodell says that is off limits. Uh, we can do every other thing, but you cannot put religion. You can't put praying hand emojis on. You can't do any of that in the NFL. It is absolutely untolerated. Uh, but in that moment, three weeks ago, Monday, uh, three weeks ago to the day, as a matter of fact, uh, that day you saw people engaged and actively talking about prayer. Um, the uh, head coach for the B uh, Buffalo Bills was talking about prayer, but talking about prayer in such a way as to be specific about what the Bible says about prayer. People were engaged in in religious conversations and praying to God about God would heal him and God would hold the doctor's hands and all of these things that were going on around the world. And here it is, the NFL that says you can't have anything to do with religion. At one point in time, all focuses um, were on religion. Uh, even Dan Orlowski on ESPN stopped in a moment of public prayer in the middle of his address on ESPN and prayed for DeMar Hamlin on air. And see, uh, uh, ESPN did not cut him off or did not abruptly end his session. And I've often said that you can deny God all you want. Um, but life is going to hit you with a body blow to where you're going to have to reach beyond yourself to something you have no control over. I've said this a lot. I've said this a lot. So then we started... You know, the whole conversation was, how could this have been avoided? When you start looking at what the experts say about this cardiac arrest, it was a one in a million type of accident. Uh, it was so specific and had to be done at such um, the specific time that it is impossible to try to figure out what could have been done to not allow this to happen. It, it is it is a rarity in the human existence for this particular th uh, type of thing to happen in this particular way. Normally, we see these type of events and we see these type of instances in baseball when a batter is struck by a baseball or a pitch. But in this particular instance, uh, DeMar Haslin got hit in the chest and at the very split second that his heart was getting ready to go into another rhythmic movement, he got hit in the chest, thus causing his heart to skip a beat and then go into cardiac arrest. It was it was a, a misnomer. It was an absolute one in a million type of deal. That was nothing that could be done that could have avoided that. It just is. It's just one of those things in life that you just can't explain. I will. I, I, I preface all of that because I, I just received an email from a friend of mine uh, from the scientificamerican.com. And I'm going to have this link somewhere. You're going to see it somewhere on the screen. A little screenshot of it. Um, this this particular event that happened three weeks ago with DeMar Hamlin and the whole world was galvanized on one particular accord and everybody was saying, hey, man, it don't matter this. It don't matter that. It's just this young man that we are concerned about some way, shape or form. We got to bring race into this equation in some way, shape and or form. The Scientific American um, had a story that ran on January the 6th, 2023. Uh, this is the Scientific American. And it says, DeMar Hamlin's collapse highlights the violence black men experience in football. 
That's the headline. That's the headline. The headline is Damar Hamlin's collapse highlights the violence black men experience in football. Somehow, some way, some shape, we've been able to now bring race into what happened to DeMar Hamlin three weeks ago. The, the very event where everybody galvanized, holding hands, same accord, we somehow in America have figured out a way to bring race into this equation. So DeMar Hamlin's collapse was a result of the violence of black men and how they experienced that on the football field. Uh, it further goes on to say the terrifying ordinary in quotation marks nature of football's violence disproportionately affects black men. Millions of people watch DeMar Hamlin, a 24 year old player from the National Football League, execute seemingly a routine tackle during his highly anticipated Monday night football game immediately after Hamlin rose to his feet and then collapsed. Uh, players from both the teams of Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals created a tight huddle around him. And as they begin to pray for DeMar Hamlin, we later learned on we later learned that DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest to where his heart has suddenly stopped working. Watch this. The scene was horrific. Uh, I want you to see how they're painting this picture. It was horrific, and both for the regularity and the exceptionality, Matt Gutman of ABC tweeted as much. The scariest part of that hit is that it wasn't scary at all, especially when it normalizes black men. The ordinary violence has riddled the sport, and it disproportionately affected black men. Now, everybody, this is in the Scientific American. You can go to scientificamerican.com and you can read this. Um, I don't think the story is warranted, uh, worthy enough for me to read any more of this, this, this debacle um, called, an, uh, um, uh, called a news story. But some way, shape, or form, we have figured out a way to infuse what is not there to what is there. Now we're talking about race, that the reason that DeMar Hamlin had a cardiac arrest in the game uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals was because he was black. I want y'all to think about this. I, 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 like words cannot explain the, the foolishness of this. And, and, and too many of y'all out there don't push back against this stuff. Like just don't push back against it. Like this is one of the craziest things that ever happened. I want you to, I want you to see something. Um, I'm I'm here in Houston, Texas. Uh, to all of my friends around the world, wherever you may watch us from, or whatever state you may be watching us from here in in the in in the United States of America, I personally am in Houston, Texas. And last week, the Houston Texans fired their head coach, Lovey Smith. Um, they fired him right after. The Houston Texans had lost to the Indianapolis Colts. And the reason, well, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, I mean, they went 3-14-1 and one, um, for the season. So they lost 14 games, only run three, and tied um, uh, another one. And interestingly, the one that they tied was with the Colts, whom they now beat in the last week of the season. People here in Houston who are diehard um, Houston fans, Texans fans. Uh, I'm not personally one. I love my city, but, you know, the Texans don't excite me at all. 
But the Texans here were um, excited for a losing season in so much as it was going to be an opportunity to hit the reset button and start from scratch. Now, of course, we lost um, uh, Deshaun Watson to all of that foolishness. You got Mills up there deliberately throwing the ball to the other team. The Houston Texans are a train wreck of an organization, uh, and nobody wants to come here. That's for them. But the, the Texans fans were a little bit bewildered because if they would have lost that game to which they had mastered losing all year long, then they would have received the first pick in this coming up year's draft, uh, this this year's uh, upcoming draft. Um, and, but because they lost the first round draft pick, the first pick of the, of the draft coming up in April now goes to the Chicago Bears. And then the Houston Texans fall to number two. And so immediately after the game, within 30 minutes of the game, they fired Lovey Smith. And as they fired Lovey Smith, uh, the likes of Stephen A. Smith, Robert Griffin III, immediately, immediately, Jamel Hill, immediately, Ryan Clark, immediately started screaming racism. Immediately. That the Houston Texans fired a black coach and didn't give him but one year. First of all, he was on a one-year contract. He didn't have an extended contract. That's first of all. He had a one-year contract. But here we are, immediately, when Lovey Smith is fired from the Texans, everybody starts calling racism. First card that they pull out. Now, it makes no difference that they only won three games, lost 14, and tied once. This man is on a one-year contract. He uses this last game to go out and win a game that he should have lost. And immediately the world goes into an uproar that Lovey Smith is a victim of racism. You guys remember Brian Flores, uh, who was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who filed a lawsuit against the Miami Dolphins and the NFL claiming discrimination in regards to black head coaches. It was three days after that lawsuit that the Houston Texans hired Lovey Smith. Now, remember, Lovey Smith used to be in Chicago. Lovey Smith came in with a 109 winning record, but he lost 139 games, right? So he he wasn't on the, 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 the high side of winning. He came in with a losing record. But it was three days after that lawsuit that the Houston Texans hired him as a head coach. This comes after Romeo Cornell being the black head coach for the Houston Texans, okay? Now, I want you to think about why everybody is is screaming from the rooftops that it was only one year that the Texans gave Lovey Smith and then they fired him. First of all, let me just tell you what apart from racism, the Texans are a dysfunctional organization. From the highest all the way down to the to the to to, to the lowest. Okay? But with that being said, why are we always screaming racism? Everybody, because you need to hear this. Racism is profitable in the United States of America. Racism, it makes no difference about your job assignment, how your job performance. All I got to do is scream racism. All I got to do is scream racism. All I got to do is scream discrimination. That's all I got to do. And the hounds will come howling. That's all I got to do. Makes no difference about how I perform. All I got to do is scream racism. Well, as I end this little short rant, 
I want you to understand something about racism. Uh, and I'm not going to turn this into an elongated podcast about that because I've done way too many of them uh, in the in in the past. You can go back and look at uh, hundreds of videos on, on on YouTube, and you'll see me bringing facts and figures and stats and all that other good stuff. But when you look at the the culture of where we are right now in the United States, let me give you some let me give you some um, um, some real real statistics, okay? Like real real stuff. Uh, right now, this is as of 2021, black America makes up 14.9% of the population, 49,653,130 African Americans are in the United States. So 49 million of the 331 million in America are African American. That's 14.9%. That's actually up 0.1% from uh, 2018, which is uh, a phenomenon. Every other... Uh, ethnic group is rising by whole percentage points, um, and we just 0.01 have risen within the last couple of years. But I digress. Out of that 49 million people that are in America, of the third 331 million people that are in America, 56% of that number, 56% of the 49 million people that are in America live in what's called the South. That's from Texas all the way up to Virginia. Okay, that's the South. That's what's considered the South. 56% of the 49 million people that live in America live in the South. 10% live in the West, 17 live in the Northwest, and 17 live in the Northeast. That's New York, uh, Mid-East, Midwest is Chicago, and of course, you know, the West is California. But 56% of all African Americans in the United States of America stay in the South. Okay, 56%. We have per capita in the South more million, more black millionaires and higher class blacks than the rest of the country combined. So I want you to hear about this. In the South where there's more blacks, we have more millionaires. In the South where we have more blacks, we have more PhDs. We have more people graduating from college. We have more people entering into the upper middle class. In the South where more blacks are, we have more success. But watch this. In the West, where they're claiming all of the liberalism, where, where, where black folks are, 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 are just free to do everything, we have less millionaires in the West, Midwest, and Southeast. Now, I want you to think about this now. Everything is about racism in our culture right now. Racism and LGBT. One of those two. Those are dog whistles. But why do we have to continually go back to this thing, especially on a day like today when we are celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a man who gave his life for the cause of all people. Without Dr. King, none of this stuff would be possible. And a man that was not just a black man, but he bridged the gap between black, uh, black, white, Christian, Jew, no matter what it was, he understood us to be people and people who were created in the image of God. All of these little minor segments that supposedly separate us are minute at best. So now Lovey Smith is a victim of racism by the Houston Texans, the National Football League, but the NFL makes more black millionaires per capita than any other industry in our country. Per capita, the NFL makes more millionaires than any other industry, especially for black Americans. 
changes the life of uh, African-Americans. You have right now coming into the draft, you have 116 uh, top college athletes that are coming into the draft that have potential to play in the NFL. <clears throat> Those 116 are going to diametrically change their family dynamic. Uh, so now that I'm starting to sweat, I know it's time for me to get off of this subject. Uh, these lights are hot. I'm, uh, I didn't want to talk about this, but I don't know why DeMar Hamlin is now a victim of racism and why Lovey Smith is now a victim of racism as we celebrate this great day from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Listen, man, stop. Please stop. Yes, there is racism, everybody. There's some people out there that don't like you. They don't like you. Uh, there are people out there that just don't like you. They don't like you, not because you're black, not because you're white, not because you're Hispanic, not because you're Asian. They just don't like you. And that's fine. Why are y'all so upset that people don't like you? It's fine. Fine. My goodness. Jeez. All right, everybody. 2023 is going to be a great year, y'all. Y'all stay focused. Uh, don't let this foolishness get to you. God is in control. The best for you is yet to come. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the set of Studio B. Remember, wherever you're watching us from, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. Um, there is a merch store that is getting ready to be launched. I had to push the launch date back to the month of February uh, simply because we got a lot of coals in the fire. So y'all stay looking out for that. There'll be a, 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 a link here in the description uh, description uh, in the upcoming weeks. Be looking out for that. Some great Studio B merch that you can wear uh, and promote. They're pretty fly too. Not just a Studio B, but they're pretty fly. I think you're going to like those. Uh, be looking out for that. And remember, everybody, be empowered, be informed, Studio B.